Today is Thursday, July 22, 2021. On this day in 2011, Anthony Sowell, also known as the Cleveland Strangler, was convicted of the murders of 11 women. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of drug use, sexual assault, and murder that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we'll hear about the horrific rampage of Anthony Sowell. Sowell preyed on disenfranchised black women in Cleveland's Mount Pleasant neighborhood for over two years. Let's go back to July 22, 2011, a hot summer day in Cuyahoga County, Ohio. 51-year-old Anthony Sowell sat silently through a two-hour court hearing as a parade of victims and loved ones delivered their statements. Dorothy Pollard, the aunt of victim Diane Turner, told Sowell he deserved to be killed for what he'd done. In the face of so much pain, Sowell kept his eyes closed. He hardly moved during the proceedings. He didn't even flinch when the jury found him guilty of more than 80 counts, including aggravated murder. A few weeks later, he was officially condemned to death. When he took the stand, Sowell was asked if there was anything he wanted to say to the families of the victims. The Cleveland Strangler, looking calm and conservative, said in a measured voice, The only thing that I want to say is that I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. No one else could explain it either. Sowell's worsening addiction to crack likely contributed to his depraved actions. It certainly caused him to live in squalor. His Imperial Avenue home, which appeared charming from the street, was a nightmare on the inside. By the time Sowell was arrested, the community had been complaining about a horrible odor in the area for three years. Everyone assumed it emanated from a sausage factory right next door to Sowell's home. In an effort to get rid of the smell, the owners of Ray's Sausage spent nearly $20,000 on new plumbing fixtures, sewer lines, and grease traps. The stench persisted. No one knew that the nice house beside it, inhabited by the quiet Anthony Sowell, harbored grisly secrets. Vermin creeped and crawled throughout the home, devouring the decomposing flesh that lay inside. Sowell lived surrounded by filth, maggots, and dismembered body parts, all while convincing the community he was a normal, harmless citizen. He, like everyone else, blamed the awful odor on Ray's sausage, but he couldn't hide forever. Coming up, we'll hear about Anthony Sowell's crimes and how he avoided detection for so long. 
Imagine living with a secret so big that if anyone ever found out, it would change everything. Imagine carrying that secret with you every day, desperate to one day get it off your chest. Do you think you could take a secret like that to the grave? I'm Estefania Hageman, host of the new podcast series, Deathbed Confessions, the show where we dive deep into the most explosive things people have admitted to while drawing their last breath, from murder, fake identities, heists, illicit affairs, and even top government secrets. This season on Deathbed Confessions, we investigate cases like Frank Thorogood, the construction worker who claimed that the drowning of Rolling Stones founder Brian Jones was no accident. Margaret Gibson, a silent film actress who, while dying of a heart attack, confessed to one of the most famous unsolved crimes in Hollywood history. And ex-CIA officer Howard Hunt, who on his deathbed confessed to playing a role in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Deathbed Confessions is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes weekly starting July 21st. Follow and listen to Deathbed Confessions for free on Spotify. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Now back to the story. On July 22, 2011, Anthony Sowell, known as the Cleveland Strangler, was convicted of the murders of 11 women. The names of his victims were Crystal Dozier, Tishana Culver, LaShonda Long, Tonya Carmichael, Michelle Mason, Kim Yvette Smith, Nancy Cobbs, Amelda Hunter, Janice Webb, Talatia Fortson, and Diane Turner. Like him, all of Sowell's victims were black, economically disadvantaged, and struggled with drug abuse, mainly crack cocaine. Some of them were sex workers. Because of these circumstances, Cleveland police didn't prioritize the women when they turned up missing or reported an assault by Sowell. On June 20, 2005, Sowell was released from prison after serving a 15-year sentence for rape. He was a registered sex offender, required to report to the authorities regularly, and was subject to spot checks. He moved into a home on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio. Within two years, neighborhood women started to go missing. By the time Vanessa Gay decided to go home with Sowell in 2008, he had already taken the lives of three victims. He attacked Gay, sexually assaulted her for hours, and almost strangled her. During a brief respite from the brutality, she begged Sowell to let her use the toilet. As she made her way through the grimy house, the disgusting odor intensified. Outside of the bathroom, Gay glanced into an adjoining room where she saw a large object on the floor. As she looked closer, she realized it was a headless corpse wrapped in plastic. She panicked, realizing she couldn't let Sowell know what she'd seen. She slipped into the bathroom and forced herself to stay silent. She was terrified that she would be next. 
But in the morning, Sowell asked whether she planned to report him. She coolly reassured him, and he decided to let her go. As soon as she was outside, Gay took off down the street, limping and crying with blood running down her legs. It was a Sunday morning, and she passed people on their way to church. None of them stopped to help. Some even laughed in her face. Gay did call the police and was told to go to the station to file a report. But she was ashamed and traumatized. She worried that a crack addict wouldn't be believed, so she never told her story. Another of Soul's victims did file a complaint, but the investigating officer decided the woman wasn't a reliable witness. Soul wasn't charged. Over the next nine months, he brutalized and killed two more women. On September 22, 2008, authorities visited his home for a sex offender spot check. They didn't ask to tour the place despite the terrible stench surrounding it. Mere hours after the police visit, Sowell brought Latundra Billups to his home. He assaulted her, raped her, and choked her with an extension cord until she passed out. She was eventually able to escape by promising him she wouldn't report his attack. But she did go to the authorities. Unfortunately, they hadn't followed up by the next month when Sowell invited Sean Morris to smoke crack with him. As soon as Morris entered the filthy home, Sowell put her in a chokehold, forced her to strip, and threatened to kill her if she screamed or fought back. Morris did scream, and in response, Sowell started closing the windows. But the one nearest Morris was still open, and after saying a quick prayer, she jumped out of the second floor into the alley below. A witness saw Anthony Sowell come after her, their struggle was captured by the surveillance camera at Ray's Sausage. The witness called 911, and paramedics took both Morris and Sowell to the hospital. Morris was unconscious for three days, during which time Sowell was able to leave without being questioned. At the end of October, police finally followed up on Billups' accusation from the month before. They went to Sowell's home on Imperial Avenue with a search warrant. He wasn't home when officers entered and discovered two dead bodies on the third floor. Authorities returned the next day for a thorough search of the whole property. They found more corpses in and around the backyard. Some were lying in the open air, and one was in a fresh grave in the basement. They also discovered a human skull in a bucket there, later matched to LaShonda Long. In all, they found the remains of six people. Sowell wasn't found and arrested until the next day, on October 31, 2009. He'd been casually walking on Mount Auburn Avenue about a mile from his home. Over the next three days of searching the house and property, five more bodies were discovered, bringing the total to 11. The disgusting smell that had clung to the area for years finally had an explanation. The neighborhood enjoyed a cathartic cleansing in the winter of 2011, as Sowell's house was demolished. An emotional crowd gathered to watch the walls come tumbling down. 
There was talk of turning the plot into a beautiful memorial flower garden in honor of the victims. Donations were collected and, after a few years, 11 trees were planted to mark each of the slain women. But no flowers bloom there. A 2019 photo shows only grass and the saplings, along with a faded wooden fence separating the plot from Ray's sausage. Journalist Andrea Simakis wrote, As long as there is no memorial, it is still his place. His killing field. That's a crime. In 2021, Anthony Sowell died from a terminal illness at age 61. Florence Bray, the mother of his first victim, reacted to his death by saying, If I could do somersaults, I would. There's a special place in hell just for him. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Christine Colby, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.